head up to work every day, stay all day, and during that time, do all the things you can exert some control over. Because if you do that, you're going to be much better place to deal with the macro and the things that are thrown at you there. You are listening to the Property Developer Podcast, your home for tips, ideas, and inspiration to help take your developing to the next level. Now, here's your host, Justin Getty. Hello, and welcome to episode 70 of the show. Thanks for joining me. How are you doing? I trust you well. Staying virus-free. Speaking of which, got another great conversation coming up today with a past guest of the show who's going to provide some advice and insight about what you can do to succeed in these still strange times. Before we get to that, just a quick project update. The demolition is finished on my site, so we're all ready to go. It's all The site's all clear, and we're just waiting for the civil guys to get on and do a little bit of site works. Just got some small cuts that need to be done and some small retaining walls before they can move on to the other civil works. Before we get to today's guest, don't forget if you are interested in learning how to develop property, then email me, justin at propertydeveloperpodcast.com for information on the mentoring program that we've got available to help you get started in development. Okay, on to today's guest, Don O'Rourke from Consolidated Properties Group. For those who've been listening to the show, you'll remember Don featured in episodes 52 and 53, where we spoke to him about how he built a multi-billion dollar property development company. If you haven't heard those two episodes, I highly recommend that you go back and take a listen because there was so much gold in there. I'm sure you will really appreciate listening to what Don has to share. It's actually one of my favorite conversations that I've had. So go back and take a listen to episode 52 and 53. So I wanted to talk to Don about his advice about what we could be doing during this COVID-19 period. And here is advice on what he's been doing, things to avoid doing, what he thinks the next 6 to 12 months looks like, and a couple of other interesting insights and what he's up to during this pandemic period. I think you'll enjoy hearing what Don has to say about what he'd do if he lost everything tomorrow but his knowledge and what he'd do to make a comeback. Okay, I'm sure you're going to enjoy this conversation. So here we go, over to Don O'Rourke. Don O'Rourke, welcome back to the Property Developer Podcast. Great, Justin. Thank you for having me back. Great to have you back. You were a very popular guest uh, when we had you on earlier, and I wanted to get you back on and get your thoughts about what people can do in the COVID-19 world in which we currently live and get some um, words of advice and wisdom from someone that's been around the block a couple of times to find out yeah. what people can do in, in this unusual situation. So. Perhaps you could just give us a bit of a rundown of, of how you're seeing things and how Consolidated is uh, is working through the issues that they're facing. Well, it's interesting, Justin. Last time we spoke, you know, we were in a, a difficult period, but not a period that is as difficult as we're in now. You know, calendar 2019 saw us coming into the year with a hay inquiry affecting the market. And as that sort of tailed off the federal election, then took us uh, on a journey to midway through the year, I think most of us were expecting a different outcome and we were pretty pessimistic about what the second half of the calendar year would look like. But Scott Morrison got in and an air of optimism flowed through the market and we were all ready for the boom of 2020. That was how we were looking at it um, at the beginning of the year. I mean, all of the markets were good in the sense of employment rates, in the sense of GDP, um, 
migration, everything was looking to be a good picture, a good macro picture, and in the micro there wasn't too much undersupply, office markets were looking good, so you know, I went away at Christmas thinking we are going to have a great year. Well, no one picked where we were going to end up. Um, we've had a significant health crisis, which we're coming out of, but we're really going into a significant economic crisis. Um, and that's the macro we have to deal with now, certainly not the boom of 2020. Yeah, so for developers out there that are finding themselves staring down the barrel of projects that perhaps aren't going how they expected, given all the things that you just uh, talked about, and a lot of people, myself included, were looking at 2020 thinking this is the turnaround year. Yes. What's your advice for the people, developers that are sitting there now kind of looking in the mirror going, what's going to happen or what should I be doing? Well, just that, as you sort of correctly said in your introductory remarks, um, I have been through this a few times before. Um, and look, the advice is pretty much the same each time. There are a whole raft of things we can't control, so don't think too much about those. There are, however, a whole raft of things we can control. So what we do, and my advice to others would be, turn up to work every day, stay all day, and during that time, do all the things you can exert some control over. Because if you do that, you're going to be much better placed to deal with the macro and the things that are thrown at you there. So you can get ahead, you can get lucky, you can do deals, um, but if you don't turn up and stay all day and try your hardest, you won't. And so what about things to avoid? What, what should developers out there avoid doing? You've got to avoid not making decisions. So at the very pointy end, that offer you've got on that last apartment in that third project might seem a bit low, but take it. Um, that construction contract that's underway, talk to your bank and keep going. Say to the bank, we're already better off if we finish this building and have completed product, let's not stop now. Um, if you've got a finance application in and, uh, and it looks like the bank's going to continue it, convert that finance application into money on the ground because in that way you're moving forward and you're getting to a position where you do have tradable stock. So, again, it's that theme of turn up every day, do all the things you can control and you'll be better off. Yeah, well, things have certainly seemed to brighten a little bit in the last week or two as we come out of the, the lockdowns. But I have, have heard stories and anecdotal evidence from people about capital withdrawing and lenders getting a bit tight and anxious about lending, particularly for developments. Have you been experiencing that, hearing that? Most definitely. Look, what, what we're seeing, Justin, is the, the, the senior lenders, so the Combanks and Westpacs and the like, um, are being much more um, difficult to deal with, and we're seeing that, that they're wanting to dot eyes and cross T's. And that's understandable because their security isn't looking as good as it used to, pre-COVID. Um, a lot of their big customers are cashing their um, undrawn lines of credit, so they have little capital available. The securitisation markets have frozen up, so they can't generate new capital. So the simple sense is they just don't have the money they used to, and they're harder to deal with. The non-bank sector, so the mezzanine providers, the preferred equity providers, are pretty much all out of the market. They're sitting on their hands saying, we don't want to do new projects. So you add those two things together, and that says there is a capital shortage. 
Um, only some projects or developers will get access to capital. That's my earlier comments. If you have the ability to access capital, do so. And so do you think there's likely to be a shortage of projects getting out of the ground in the next six months? Look, markets are always the, the sum of a whole raft of a number of markets. You know, office is different to residential, it's different to industrial, and within office, Brisbane is different to Sydney, and, and within Brisbane, A grade is different from B grade, and things like that. So it's, it's sort of hard to generalise um, across all of those markets, but we're certainly seeing a drop in demand. That's probably a common feature. A demand for office space, a demand for new shops, a demand for off-the-plan um, apartment sales. We're definitely seeing a drop in each of those. The only thing that seems to be working right at the moment is house and land. Um, Stockland produced some results about a month ago, which indicated inquiry levels were up to pre-COVID. Um, very recent um, evidence comes from last weekend in sales offices following the announcement of the $25,000 federal um, grant. Inquiry is definitely up on that. Colleagues in Queensland tell us on the 20 projects they're marketing, uh, traffic through their websites and their sales offices was significantly up. So Hasselman is a bright, a bright spot on the market at the moment. Um, but it'll be interesting to see as unemployment begins to grip what will happen to that market as well. Yes, I have also anecdotally heard and spoken to people who've said that inquiry levels are definitely up since the federal government announced the home builder package. So that's good news. And I also think it's good news from the perspective that the federal government has signalled that property is obviously a very big sector uh, that they're going to look at closely in terms of stimulus and other measures to get the economy going. So if you're looking at that as a developer, you'd be thinking, you know, there's there's things coming, there's things happening, and no doubt there'll be further announcements along the way. Yeah, yeah, and, and then lessons of history. Um, the federal government doing this in the GFC um, around social housing, particularly, you know, was a great boost for the industry. Um, builders in jobs, people on sites. So, what are you forecasting or looking at for the next six to twelve months, Don? Well, just in our business, we have um, neighbourhood shopping centres, Coles and Woolies plus 20 shops. They've gone all right in this market because we're non-discretionary in terms of um, our specialty shops. So we're still collecting, you know, three quarters to 80% of our rent. Um, so for the next six months, our job will be to get those last 20% of tenants paying rent again, which is encouraging those cafes to come back. Alternatively, replacing um, tenants where we need to. Um, it doesn't look like any of our tenants are going to fall over because of the way it's been managed, but I'm not discounting the fact that we might have to do some replacements. Um, we would still look for new opportunities in that sector. I believe that as we get some distance from COVID, non-discretionary neighbourhood centres have really shown resilience to this crisis, and I think there'll be a pricing re-rating in the retail sector because of that resilience. Um, if you look at Centre's results, um, you know, their tenants, they're only collecting 40% of their rent. So you would think there will be a re-rating of the pricing. So we're, we're very optimistic about the neighbourhood centre space. We think the shift to internet sales won't impact us greatly. Um, it, it will be a phenomenon, but it won't 
impact our values greatly because we're not selling T-shirts. Um, in terms of the residential uh, workbook, um, the Urbis report for Queensland, the most recent one to come out, um, indicates very low pre-sales, as I mentioned in apartments before, but conversely, stuff that is finished is selling. So our, our view of residential is that demand will drop, but supply will drop as well. So we think um, the, the underlying demand nationally of 200,000 dwellings and the supply delivered because of COVID dropping off is great opportunities probably in 2022, 23 for product coming on street then. So we're having a look around to create some product for a release completion date in a couple of years' time. Um, and then obviously we're just finishing off what we can in our existing pipeline. Um, but there will be opportunities, but it, it is driven by employment and it is driven by immigration and migration. And both of those variables are suffering, so we're going to have some slow times. Yeah, definitely the immigration is a massive factor. I do tend to think that when the gates are opened again, People will be flooding in or looking to come to Australia will be seen as somewhat of a, a safe haven, I would have thought. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, particularly cities like Hong Kong, you know, where Hong Kong has had COVID, it's had the, um, the turmoil of its relationship with China. Um, Australia is a pretty attractive place to put money or to move to. Um, so we think there's going to be some opportunities to sell Australian product up into those Asian cities because of the crisis. And you mentioned the softness of the off-the-plan market, and that's certainly something I've personally experienced over the last 6 to 12 months trying to get pre-sales. I don't anticipate that changing that much over the next 6 to 12 months. What advice have you got for developers who have stock at the moment that they're trying to pre-sell so that they can meet their construction funding hurdles? Well, I think there's really not much you can do about it. You either get the pre-sales or you don't. And if you don't, you don't have a project. Um, so the devil in that detail is how you wind back your project if you don't get the pre-sales. Um, so you've got to manage all of your stakeholders from that perspective, which will be the consultants that have been doing work. Uh, and maybe, you know, their payment terms are on financial close. You have to manage their expectations have to manage the work the builders done. Uh, I mean, you would think that with less orders, the builders and the subcontractors will be providing sharp pricing. Um, so you would hope that, but what's working against that theory is there have been a lot of insolvencies at the subcontractor level. So the choice of subjects for the builders, that choice pool has been significantly reduced too. So, so you've really got to manage a slow unwinding um, if you can't get the pre-sales. But if your projects were intrinsically good, good location, good design or like, their time will come. You've just got to be in a position to reboot them in 12 or 18 months' time. Yeah, it's funny that you should mention about builders sharpening their price because I certainly haven't seen too much of uh, building costs coming down over the last year or two years despite reasonably flat economic conditions. So, Yeah, yeah. Well, there is, I mean, a builder's price is tied up with a lot of union-based regulations. So it's very interesting the IR discussions that are happening in a global sense with um, the unions and the Morrison government. So whether, you know, 
there can be some gains in that area, which will see some productivity gains, which will see you know a flattening or reducing of some of these building prices. But um, you know, these are times of great change, and um, one would hope there'll be some efficiencies that come out of it. Yeah, and it's also a time, I think, where you can really solidify some of your relationships with some of your consultants or your, and your partners, say your builder, um, for coming through or going through some tougher times together and then coming out the other side. I think that can be can be a really good opportunity. Oh, I agree with you, Justin. I mean, in our previous discussion, we talked about our contracting philosophy, which is non-adversarial um, relationship-based contracting. And, being confident enough in your ability to know what the price of a service or good is. Um, having been through this, as I said a couple of times before, standing by your builder and standing by your consultants provides wonderful returns for a very long period of time. So um, sit in their shoes, see how they understand how they're feeling, um, work with them because that will pay great dividends in the future. I wanted to ask you, it's certainly been uh, a unusual time the last few months now what's uh, something that you've learnt over the over that period of time in, in response to what's been happening well it's been spoken about a few times where people have said it's the time that it's afforded has provided time for reflection and provided a time to try and figure out what the values are and I, and I think for me, um, it, it sort of has reconfirmed the balanced life philosophy. I mean, we've always assumed that, but it, it's really confirmed that that should be given some fair weighting in, uh, in, in life. So, yeah, you don't actually have to jump on an aeroplane. You don't have to be out to lunch or dinner three days a week or whatever. You know, you can actually have a healthy, happy existence without that. And, uh, and hopefully that, that's going to sort of stick. And I've heard that you've um, decided to give up drinking for a year in response. <laughs> well, not quite a year, but nearly a year. So I turned 60 in February, Justin, and, um, and I figured I want to hit 60 in the best possible shape I can. So um, Easter Sunday was my last uh, glass of bubbles, and Christmas Eve will be my next one. So um, you'll actually say I look 40 by the time I get to Christmas instead of like 17 as I looked uh, on Easter Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely takes a little bit longer to get over those uh, those heavier nights when you get older. Yes. I'm sure we all know that. Yes, yes, exactly. And what about something new or different that you have been doing in response to the changes? Well, one of the most interesting projects we're working on at the moment is the Kelly Slater Wave Pool. Um, so that wave pool um, concept is owned by World Surf League, WSL, and we're looking to do one of these at Coolum on the Sunshine Coast. Um, so that's always been an interesting project because, you know, I'm a surfer and I've got to go over to a moor to surf in, uh, in California to surf the wave. and. Um, and I'm personally interested in, you know, the sport and the athletes and things like that. So it's been a passion project. But what has shown during this COVID period is that it will generate 10,000 jobs over a 10-year period. And that's really resonated with that Sunshine Coast community. I mean, they actually say, we really like the idea of the Kelly State Wave Pool, we really like a tourism asset, but we really like the fact that we can have jobs at home. So it's, uh, it, it sharpens up uh, people's perceptions of things. So that's been interesting watching that journey the last couple of months, 
because we're waiting for the state government to issue its approval to us, and uh, it's maybe it's really focused a little bit of attention onto those jobs first. Well, first you've got to open the uh, airports and borders, Don, to get some uh, southerners up there for some winter sunshine. I know, I know. I mean, you think like in the 60s, Surface Paradise was made by the Melbourne community. Byron Bay and Noosa similarly have been, you know, in recent times been made by Melbourne heading north for, um, for its winter. So, yeah, we definitely need to get those doors open and get visitors being made in our resort communities. Well, it's two degrees this morning in Melbourne, Don, so I can assure you that we're looking to the north to try and get somewhere warmer. Well, we'll mention it to the government here that we've had yet another southerner saying we, they want to come up for the sun. Uh, I suspect, though, that um, given the elections in October, there may be a result around those borders before then. Yeah, I'm sure they'll get them open sooner rather than later. Yeah. It's such a big... Internal tourist destination, it seems uh, it seems crazy that they wouldn't want people coming up there as soon as possible. Yes, yeah. there's no, no logical reason why they shouldn't be here. And it'll be interesting to see after the mass rallies around the country on the weekend whether there are any uh, COVID cases reported in the next couple of weeks. I mean, that will feed into this whole argument around border closures. Very true. Now, the last couple of weeks have raised a, a question that I wanted to ask you, which was, if you lost everything tomorrow, except the knowledge that you'd gained over the decades, you had to make a comeback, what would you focus on? Um, I would focus on using the knowledge I have to enter into agreements with large um, stakeholders, be it government landowners or um, listed corporations or large private families to show them how I could unlock for them the value that's in their holdings and in turn share that upside. So I wouldn't be out trying to do block splits or build two townhouses or something like that. Um, I'd use the knowledge I have to, um, to help others unlock their value and then might make me some money as well. I think it goes back to that relationship piece that you were talking about earlier, trying to build relationships. Yes, that's yeah, yeah. And take a longer view, sit in their shoes, understand their needs, and then try and fit a solution to their needs rather than try to fit my needs to their situation. It's actually the other way around, as it should be with all negotiations. I mean, you need to sit in the other person's shoes in order to get a mutually acceptable outcome. Very true. Now, have uh, you been watching any new movies or TV shows or reading books in this extra time when you're not reflecting that you might suggest to people out there? Uh, definitely, definitely. I mean, um, so TV shows, um, Series 5 of Billions. So uh, I identify very closely with Chuck Sparlow. <laughs> 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 um, so, uh, so yeah, certainly that, um, Outlander, I'm the last series of that. Um, and I've just started watching Babylon Berlin. Um, so those are the three TV shows. Movies, um, cinemas have been closed. So I sort of normally go to the, go to the cinema to watch movies. So thus I've seen the area that's been around. Um, and, uh, and books, yeah, I'm constantly reading uh, trashy um, spy and crime novels. So, uh, yeah, so the time has afforded a little bit more 
exposure to those things. I thought I had you picked for a trashy romance novel kind of guide on. <laughs> well, having two ex wives, it's not a subject I'm greatly interested in, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you should be. <laughs> I might learn something. <laughs> yeah, I might not have two ex wives. <laughs> anyway, what's uh, for people out there that are kind of looking around thinking, okay, I'm going to get focused, what's your top tip out there to help developers get to the next level? Well, again, you know, I love that one Woody Allen saying, 50% of um, luck is just turning up. Uh, so, again, I keep coming back to that same sort of piece of advice. If you come in the office every day at 8 o'clock and go at 6 o'clock, whatever your hours are, diligently work, luck will come your way. Um, unless you're standing in the marketplace, announcing your presence, gathering knowledge, uh, participating, nothing's going to happen. So by doing that, something will happen for you. Fantastic. Well, that's great advice, Don. Well, uh, is there, if the people are interested in finding about you or about the company, where should they head? Uh, if you go to our website, it's on the propertiesgroup.com.au, um, there's a contact point in there. Um, so that, that's the easiest way of accessing, and, uh, and I always respond. So if anyone wants to um, speak with me, if they just access and put a comment there, I'll come back to them personally. All right, well hope you uh, have been continuing to do some surfing and is there any truth to the rumours that you were one of the test pilots for the Kelly Slater wave pool testing? There is complete truth in that, <laughs> although my uh, ride did not look anything like Kelly's ride. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, yeah, and, uh, and I'll be looking forward to many more of those. I, I've got to say that because I have also been down and surfed um, urban surf. That's a great Great product for Melbourne. I mean, I had a lot of fun, and those guys need to be congratulated for producing a really good thing. Well, I think if I had the choice of surfing out near Tullamarine Airport or going up to Sunshine Coast, <laughs> I know which place I'd rather surf. Well, I know which place I'd rather have you at as well. <laughs> anyway, Don, it's been awesome to have you on the show again. Really appreciate your time. I know you're busy and you're always really generous with. Uh, speaking with us and sharing your insights and tips and I know the people who listen in really value it so thank you once again for being on the Property Developer Podcast and let's hope next time we talk we're talking about uh, how to manage things when economies are really firing. Yeah, so Justin, thank you again for having me on the show. I always enjoy our chats as well and uh, I look forward to talking to you soon in the boom of 2021, 20, 2022, whichever it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, preferably 21. Yes, we'll all take 21. <laughs> yeah, early 21. Uh, thanks, Justin. Thanks. See you, Don. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Property Developer Podcast. Tune in next time for more tips, ideas, and inspiration to take your developing to the next level. For more developing love, make sure to visit propertydeveloperpodcast.com.